Father, we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you, Father. 11 months, a most difficult year. You were faithful. You were good. You brought us through. We are in the last end of the year, Lord. The last 25 days. We know you will take us through. We know the God who brought us thus far will take us the rest of the way. So we just want to thank you. Thank you for your hand over our lives, our families, our children, the little ones, everyone, Lord. We just want to thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Commit this time into thy hands, the ministry of the word, the little children who are going for Sunday school, the teachers who mentor them, and all of us, Lord, who sit at your feet. We just surrender ourselves, Lord. Everyone, those who are strong in faith, those who struggle with faith, those who doubt whether they are saved, all are there. But we all come to you because you are the author of life. You alone have the words of life. You are the one who can turn and change our life around. Therefore, we come to you. Above all, we come to you because you love us. You love us. Thank you, Father. Thank you. This morning I pray, speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, little ones are released for Sunday school. Sunday school. I will mark it, Chandana. It's 9.52 yawned before the message began. That is how you keep the others on their toes. These are classroom techniques, how to keep everybody on their toes. So we'll turn to the word of God. First, we turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 to 6, and then John 10.10. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day. The Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinom, and the Jezreelites, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the effort here to me. And Abiathar brought the effort to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? 
Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Go to John 10.10, the new covenant parallel. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. We've been through 11 months and 6 days. We are 10 hours into the 6th day. It's not been a good, let's be honest, not been a good year for anybody in the world except for the billionaires like the ones who control Amazon, Facebook, Twitter. They made money. The rest lost. Millions upon millions lost their livelihood, jobs, businesses shut down, lives lost, and it's still continuing. So it's not been a good year. But what is our response? We are in this 12th month. So one thing I want to encourage you is, it doesn't matter how you began or whether you faltered in the middle, you can always finish well. In 25 days, God can do if we surrender individually, personally, family-wise, what we did not allow him to do in 11 months. He still can do it. Don't shorten the hand of God by your unbelief. Okay, don't shorten. Okay, say, Lord, I like Yahweh's belief. Let your hand be upon me. So David is going through. I personally believe all the crisis he faced. This was one of the worst, if not the worst. I would put three of his crises at the top. One is this. The other is with Bathsheba. But it was a personal thing. It didn't really affect the nation. And the most painful one was when Absalom usurped the throne where he knew his son would have to die. So he pleaded, don't kill the boy. But the boy died anyway. And you can know his sorrow. He's a man of sorrows. He was a man of sorrows. He went through grief in every way you can go. You can think of. But the first point is, when you go through a crisis, how will you respond? Because your response to crisis will ultimately define who you are. You cannot escape crisis. Whether you are a believer or an unbeliever, it will come your way. Especially if you are a believer. Because the crisis is the test of your faith. What happens during crisis? You look in history, you look through the Bible. During crisis, it will drive many away from God. And a few towards God. So you have to, before the crisis, most of you are young. Crisis hasn't come yet. It will come. It will come. It will come. Or if you're going through a crisis. Before it hits you, you have to make this decision. When the day of evil comes, I will run towards God and not away from him. The first decision you make, not away from him, but towards him. Because many in the day of crisis, you look in the word, you look, because their faith was weak or their faith failed them. Faith did not fail them, they failed. Faith never fails because it's the faith of God. You'll see they're falling away, they're falling apart. And the word of God says in the last days, many will fall away. One of the reasons people will fall away is because 
iniquity it will increase. When there is an increase of sin, there is an increase of darkness. There will be too many crises in people's lives. People's lives. Okay. And you need to, you, you look at it, I don't think if you actual statistics were to come out, I don't think in any year in the recent history have there been so many recorded suicides as this year. You know? The pandemic was just a test. But people couldn't handle it. Even Christians couldn't handle it. Drug abuse has shot through the roof. Alcoholism has shot through the roof. Divorce has shot through the roof unlike any year. Okay? So at every level, personal level, family level, or national level, nations have just fallen apart in crisis. The government simply do not know what to do. What to do. Okay? So it's a crisis. It's a crisis. Joseph went through crisis, but through his 13 years of crisis, he clung to God. Jacob, in his darkest hour at River Jabok, clung to God. He said, unless you bless me, I will not let you go. In crisis and dark hours, in a pagan land, Daniel and his three friends clung to God. So first thing you need to realize is, if you look are the victorious people in the Bible, meaning those who finished well, you will see how they responded to crisis. The first lesson you learn is that they clung to God. It could be your job. It could be your marriage. It could be family. It could be a church. You could go through crisis anywhere. God says, learn from David. Learn from David. His first response, let's go back to that portion we read. First Samuel 30. Samuel 30. Yeah. Verse 6. David was greatly distressed. Okay, no, no, go to verse 4, not 6, verse 4. David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Okay. Response is absolute, total despair. If you are in ministry, you will, be, be, you will meet people like that. They have no more strength even to weep. They stand there staring into space like as if they are stoned. Because they have no more power in their senses how to react to this. When you meet people who have lost a dear one, lost to, you know, the marriage is broken, gone, you don't know what to do. The child has died, spouse has died, they just sit there, frozen. They have no more strength left. The first response is despair. And that's what he says, all of them. They cried because remember they're coming with depression, if you know the background. First Saul was after them. These were all the 3D people, remember. They had been living in the Gentile land for 16 months. And now in the last stages, the Gentile king and his people said, go, we don't trust you. So they left. They have marched three days. And they are very tired and they must have been thinking, okay, at least I'm going home. I will have a hot shower and a good meal and go to sleep. But when you come close, what you see is smoke rising. And there's nothing left. Everything has been burned down. Okay. So it's what you say. Putting salt on the wound. 
Now they have no strength. They wept until they had no power to weep. No power to weep. First response. It's good to weep. Okay, It's not anything wrong. Even Jesus wept. But it was not a weeping of despair. Of no hope. Okay, It's good to weep. I mean, let go. Cry. Shut the door. Howl if you want. Let your tears flow. That's all okay. Because even Jesus cried. That is okay. But don't cry in despair. Then, unbelief gets in. Because even the best of men have given up. The best of men in the Bible. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, and Matthew 11, 2, you see two of the best God had on planet earth. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. He prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. It's enough. I give up. That is the danger when you come to a point where you give up. Thank God God does not give up on us. He did not give up on Elijah. But a lot of people who do not, and I always think about these people, no? Who tie that rope, put it around their neck and jump. What led them there? Burn themselves, jump off the bridge, run before a running train. You know, people do all this every day. What was going through their mind? What was going through their mind? No. What was going through their mind? They, they just give up. A lot of people just give up. They give up. Matthew 11, 2. Another one. The best God had for the, for his son's proclamation. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and verse 3 and asked, are you the one who's supposed to come? We should we look for somebody else? Despair. Because everything has changed. He's in prison. Life has changed. And he's forgotten everything. And he's actually, I mean, imagine this is the prophet of all prophets. The greatest. Jesus said it. We talk about each one. Great, 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 greater, greater, greater. This is the greatest. He is in despair. Jesus sent him an answer. I don't know how much he took that answer. Did he encourage himself? All we know is a little later, his head will be put on a plate. So we do not know how he died. But he did not die unsaved. But I don't know whether he died in despair. Okay. So like them, so many in English, we say they throw the towel. They throw in the towel. I give up. Okay. Second response, verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. For every man spoke. Second response is when we are in darkness of a situation, we look for somebody else to blame. We want to shift the flip. Because of you. Because of you. Could be partially true, not fully true. But the question to be asked is, what difference does it make to your situation? How does it change your situation? Okay, you pick up your stones and you kill David. And what happens? Your wives come back. Your children come back. Your situation alters. 
ke. Always looking for somebody to blame. Do you want to get well? Well, this is the problem. Everybody gets before me. How long have you been working at the same job? 15 years. Have you got a promotion yet? You know, somebody always goes before me. Though I am better qualified. Is that true? We need to stone somebody else so that we can feel good. We do not want to take personal responsibility for our lives. Do you remember all the people who are picking stones like Jesus told all who is without sin, pick the stone. Right? First stone. That's what he said. In the same token, these people should have thought in 1 Samuel 22, verse 3, it's written how this all began. 22. I didn't give it? Okay, I'm sorry. 22, 3. No, 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 no. 22, 2. 22, 2. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to me. So don't say before we came to you, we had a gala time. You are the reason. That's not true. Before I got married, you know, I had a... <laughs> really? Before I got this job, Really? I'll tell you the truth. Before you got this job, you are jobless. That is the truth. Your response is wrong. Your response is wrong. Okay? Always look at it because we'll all go through crisis. We have, some of us have gone through many, but look at your response because your response will determine your destiny when crisis comes. Learn to respond like Job in Job 1 and verse 21. This is what he said. He lost everything. It was the darkest hour in his life. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay. He says, in his case, everything is gone. Literally gone. Dead. Okay, he says, I fix responsibility. You know what? He gave, he took. He's got the right to do it. Okay, all the mothers sitting over here. When your baby was born, did the nurse come and say it had a 2,000 rupees note in his hand? Anybody heard something like that? Hmm? Nothing like that, right? Everybody came. Empty-handed. Right? I have yet to hear a child which was born with a dress on. Not yet. Not with a tux. No. What does it mean? Everything God gave you. Everything God gave you. It's an appropriate response. Response. Because if you don't have your response right, you will not turn to God. He gave, he took. That also means he can restore. 
he can restore. That's why it's important to know these facts, how you respond in crisis. He gave, he took, he can restore. He can restore. Going back to that same word, six. Six. And the soul of all the people was grieved. The actual Hebrew term is bitter. The bitterness of the soul. If you look at your footnotes of your Bible, where there are footnotes, you will see it is written. Bitter. Bitter. When crisis come, don't become bitter. Don't become bitter. People become bitter to life. And what happens is, you don't enjoy your days. Though God has never changed. His mercies are new each morning. Every morning the sun rises the same way. Everything around you is still beautiful. The birds are still singing. But you know what? Because you are bitter, you see nothing. In Ruth 1 and verse 20, she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. God hasn't dealt bitterly with her. You are bitter. God has actually started the entire process of not only redeeming you and your family, of joining you to the family of his son, the Messiah. And you are not able to see anything. Anything. Just think for a moment what God is doing in Naomi's life. He's joining her to his own khandan. Who is who? Think about any Hebrew, any Jew, we do not know anybody, any Jew who could trace his ancestry back to one of Mary's other sons. Think about it. No, Jesus had brothers and sisters born of Joseph. Think about one of them today, actually check the family tree and find, you know what? I actually come from Jesus' own family. And this is what's happening to this lady. But she's not able to see it because she is bitter. So the first thing is, don't be desperate. Don't give in to despair. Second thing, stop blame, blaming somebody. If you want to get out of your rut, stop blaming. That blame game, like I, in God says in Isaiah, that pointing finger. Okay, he says you fast, you pray, but nothing happens because one finger is always like this. It's not like this, it's like this. So until it becomes like this, I can't do anything. Bitter. Like I said, supposing they gave in to their bitterness and blame and stoned David. Does it change the situation? But people do. In the anger, in the bitterness, in the bl- people just walk out of marriages. Just walk away. Living spouses, living children, they just walk away. And then, years later, they look back and say, why am I like this? Because in that crisis, your response was wrong. You didn't fight. You didn't fight for what was right. We just walked away. We just walked away. You know? 
I know, personally, I know people. I know people who did that in their marriages, who do that to their jobs. You know, there is a particular person. He's bedridden, paralyzed. He has, hasn't had a job for years and years and years and years and years. One day he was in the, no, 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 not him, Middle East, working for a very good, very high salary. His boss said something to him. He didn't like it. He just threw his resignation like this and walked away. He never got a job, or if he got, he never held it after that. And today, he's sitting in his bed, not sitting, literally paralyzed. One side is paralyzed. And when that came in, just walked away like that. A lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. That's why these things are important because, you know, we are asking, Lord, fill me, fill me, fill me. God is saying, let me shape you first. So that when I fill you, you can hold it when these crises comes. Okay? Like we keep saying, it's in English, talent can take you to the top, but only character can keep you there. The world is full of talented people. And one who died last week was very talented. He was one of the most talented footballers in the world. The one thing he did not have is strength. He did not have it. He gave into when he was playing for Italy, for Napoli, he got into cocaine, took his life down. Sixty years. He died at six, just four years older than me. You have to put it in that perspective. Just four years older than me. And he died. His heart gave away. Okay. And so many. So many. Yesterday also a young, young person. He's only 38 or something. Some big billionaire, celebrity son. All day. That's what God is talking about. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Don't give in to impulses. Don't be angry. Because if you're angry, you will not be able to handle your crisis. That's what happened right in the beginning with Cain. There's a crisis. What is that? I want to offer a sacrifice. God did not accept it. God says, why are you angry? Why, I, why have your countenance fallen? If you do right, will you also not be accepted? So immediately you should be calm and say, Lord, show me what is right. Because I understand. I too will be accepted just like him. You are not a respecter of persons. If I listen to you carefully, I can come out of this situation. Don't be angry. That's why Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry, but do not sin. Do not sin. Be angry, but do not. There can be a response. What is the anger against? The thief has come to steal, to kill, to destroy. That's an anger. You have to respond to that. Indignation. We call it righteous indignation. You need to have that. But don't sin in the process. They're angry and bitter and upset. Their wives and children have gone. But now they're picking up stones to wrong. Stone the wrong person. Who actually will be the instrument God will use to restore their families and their fortunes. Be careful. Anger is okay. But be careful. In 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 8, when Uzziah died, his first response was anger. David became angry. Because the Lord's first anger, I did all this. I made all these arrangements. And look, the result of it, his first response was anger. But his next response saved him. 
What is that verse 9? But David was afraid. So because he was angry, he did he could have sinned against the Lord. But because he was afraid, he did not sin against the Lord. And three months later, he realizes, hey, I found the way to get the ark back. Because the guy in whose house the ark is, everything in his house is blessed. Every report, his cub is giving more milk, his chickens are laying more eggs, his children, everything is blessed. So my God is not a God who curses. My God is a God who blesses. All I have to do is hear, know, and understand his ways. And the ark is back in the city. So be angry at a cause, but do not sin in your anger. That's what God is saying. Okay? Go to verse 6. Yeah. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but that is character. Every man is reacting like this, but you were different. Don't say everybody is doing it. So what's the problem? That's how usually people respond. At this age, why do you have a girlfriend? Because everybody has. How old are you? 40. Why do you have a boyfriend? Because everybody has. What has that got to do with it? Are you everybody? Or are you somebody? That's the difference. Everybody is eating from the king's table, but Daniel. Everybody in 41st household, servants, must be hard workers when the master's eye is upon them. But they, Joseph. This is where the difference comes. But, the Bible says, but David. Encouraged. Or strengthen, NIV will say, encouraged. Whom? Encourage? Okay, always you need to realize that if you are a leader, you encourage yourself first. Don't jump and start encouraging others. When you yourself are this desperate. First, to be a leader, you have to encourage yourself. Encourage yourself. He encouraged himself. Encouraged himself. He encouraged himself. The question is, do we encourage ourselves? There is a problem there. There are a lot of people who encourage themselves, even in the world, who do not know God. I can, I can, I can, I can, I can. Yes, we can. Yes, I can. This is good. Temporarily it works. I'm not saying motivation doesn't work. All football games and all games, that is how they pump themselves. I can, I can, I can, I can. That's not what David said. That's not what David did. The difference between David and the rest of the world is David encouraged himself in the Lord. Okay, That is the whole thing. It's not encouraging yourself that many of the great ones in the world, all the battlefield, and the WWF, all that thing, encouraging himself. That's not what he did. That's not what he did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. There's a whole lot of difference 
As far as heaven is from the earth, that is the difference between I can and God can. I can and God can. The difference is this. I can do some things. I can do many things. But I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. That's the difference. All things. All things. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with him or her who believes in that God. That's the difference. So please note carefully what he is saying. Carefully. God can. So how do you encourage yourself? By turning your heart and your mind back to God during a crisis. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Just not be strong. Be strong in the Lord. I used to wonder when I was small, no? The the people, the, the men who used to work in my grandfather's farm, no? Uh, they come in the morning and they will work through the evening. And if you look at all these people, what they used to eat in the morning was they keep the previous night's rice with water and they eat that. Now you pay through your nose to buy way at Apollo all these bodybuilders. What you got free in your house and you work the whole day Okay, understand? That's the way. Okay. They process it, make it into powder, and our muscle pumpers go like this. The other fellow just ate it and then worked the whole day. But ultimately, both of them were trying to be strong, not in the Lord. All those workers died. They're gone. Here, scripture says, be strong. In the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. The question is, how do I become strong in the Lord? How do I strengthen myself in times of crisis? How do I strengthen myself? First thing, go back, what we call, they say in engineering, to the drawing board. Go back where you began. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is where we all began. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If you were absolutely, totally honest, the most difficult work God did in each one of us, it's not our schooling, it's not our studies, it's not our marks, it's not our jobs. The most difficult job God did in our life is saving us. To save a rogue like me is the truth. Was the most difficult work God did. How did you do it? Without your help. By grace, you have been saved. You have to go back. It's very, very important how you strengthen yourself in the Lord. You have to go back to the drawing board. He saved me when I thought I was unredeemable. He saved me. Romans 8.31 If so, what shall I be say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Okay. If he was for me then, 
when I was a reprobate, is he not for me now that I'm a child? Simply how you put your facts in order. That's how you strengthen. Strengthen. Immediately the devil will come. Because he's always, he never misses anything. Please understand. He never misses a meeting. He is with you all the time. So he knows. So immediately he will come and tell you of all your sins and your failures. Which is true. He's got plenty to tell David. Do you know where you were 16 months? Did you offer a sacrifice? Did you hear from God? Weren't you serving Akish, the king of the Philistines? Were you not on the wrong side? Did you not stretch your hand for evil? You were not fighting for Israel. You are fighting for the Philistines. His Every word he says is true. Nothing is false. That's why the devil's voice has power. Because he doesn't always tell lies. When he talks about ourselves, he speaks the truth. And we know it is true. You see, there was a story long time ago, okay? Uh, one of these internet giants, you know, what happened? Uh, they had a huge customer base. What happened? Somebody hacked in and their entire data came out in the public. What happens is your entire search history becomes public. Think about it. If anybody were to know your search history, they know you. The devil doesn't need internet. He knows your search history. Doesn't need. He knows your search history. He knows exactly who you are, what you are, what you think, what you read, what you watch. Everything he knows. Not just God. Your personal demon. Knows everything. So every word he will tell to Daniel, sorry, David, is true. What is your response? How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? Go back to the word of God, what God says. That's your response. Because the word of God is the revelation of who God is. Romans chapter 5. The most powerful words when the devil comes and tells you everything about yourself, tell him about what God says. For God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners. Jesus Christ died for us. Much more than then, then having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. If he's not satisfied with these two verses, give him two more. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He zips his mouth and he goes away. I did not know him. I was a sinner. He died for me. I was his enemy. He saved me. What do you have to say to that? The devil says nothing. Then, if he's not satisfied with scripture alone, give him a couple of testimonies. Devil also likes testimonies. Negative, not positive. Let's look at the two testimonies you can share. Pick the worst you can from the Bible. It was when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his body, fasted and lay in, the, in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, 
See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring this calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring calamity on his house. Who is God showing mercy to? Will you show mercy to Ahab? But God will. Fire, Lord, fall on Ahab. God says, wait a second. Why, Lord? He said, that's why you are not God, I am. You want to have a worse testimony to tell us? Yes. Second Chronicles. Now when he was in affliction, he implored God, the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his father. Who is this? Manasseh. You know what this guy did? He even put his children through the fire, offered it to the pagan gods. This is the fellow who filled the streets of Jerusalem with innocent blood. He humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him. And he received his entreaty. Heard his supplication, brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. So you have to tell the devil, God will show mercy to Ahab and show to Manasseh, he will show to me too. I haven't killed anybody yet. With words maybe, not with hands. I haven't killed anybody yet. No, So you can go back to the word of God, look at the character of God. That's where you get your strength from. This is who God is. Not what the devil says. Not what the world says. What the word of God says. That's who God is. That's how you strengthen yourself in the Lord. Next thing, when you are strengthening, focus on one facet about God. Malachi 3.6. Which is so important because unlike us, I am the Lord, I do not change. I do not change. We all change. Like the weather, like the climate, we keep changing. God does not change. It's forever the same. That is why we can have strength to appeal to him. He says, you know why? And look at the whole verse. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. He says, you sons of Jacob, do you know why you are not consumed? Because I don't change. So I was merciful then, I'm still merciful. That's why you are not consumed. So we can always hold on to this thing. It says, you know, Lord, you don't change. Thank you, Lord, you don't change. What happens if God changes? One day he's merciful, next day he's mad. So we have to check. We make a database. Sunday, God happy. Monday, mad. Tuesday, not interested. That's how most believers, that's why they pray only on Sunday. Because they think God is like you. He's happy on Sunday. And sleeping on Monday. No. He's always the same. He's absolutely, totally steadfast to who he is. And the Bible says about Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 119 and verse 89. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. So, you read this word and says, oh, uh, this was written 2000 years ago. That was the New Testament. Old Testament, the, the last book was written 2600 years ago. Maybe God has changed. No, his word is forever settled in the heavens. The word also doesn't change. The word that reveals the character of God is as steadfast as God himself. It will never change. You can take this book to the bank. Valid for eternity. It will never change. 
This is where you come. That's why we read this. That's why we meditate on this. That's why we mark this. That's why we keep it in our heart because this reveals him. And both are steadfast. It will not change. That's how you encourage yourself. The nature of God. Even the angry prophet. There's an angry prophet in the Bible called Jonah. Even he knew this. Jonah 4.2. This is what he says. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarsus. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. Slow to anger. Abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing. I knew this. You told me. Go to Nineveh and preach this message. 40 days, Kalash, Khatam. But I knew something. If somebody in that group turned a little, you would not do what you are telling me. I was very happy with the message first. (laughs) I wanted some fire and brimstone to fall upon them. Then I waited a minute. I waited a minute. Who is this speaking? Is Yahweh. He is very kind. He's very even to his enemies, he is kind. He's very kind. By some chance they repent. He won't do this. So I'm not going. I am not going. Did you see the nature of God? This is who God is. This is who God is. Okay. This is who God is. And David knew, that's how you strengthen yourself. If you do not know the character of your God, how do you strengthen yourself in him? If you do not know the word that reveals who God is, that's why we sing all these songs which are scripture, hoping at least if you don't read your Bible, at least you'll remember the songs. Because all the songs tell about who God is. This is who he is. This is who he is. So he strengthened himself in the Lord. So in the moment of crisis, even if everybody gives up, don't give up. Don't give up. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Next verse after that. 30. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The other one. Uh, 30 verse 7. 37. Sorry, I didn't give it to you there. David said to Abiyadar, the priest, please bring the effort to me. What do you do? Modern language, call your pastor. Don't do it alone. If you are not able to hear from God, call somebody who is able to hear from God or who will give you godly counsel. Just don't walk away. Just don't walk away from your job. Just don't walk away from your marriage. Just don't walk away from your situation. Don't do it. Call somebody who will give you godly counsel. That one call has saved millions of lives. One call. One call. Because the other person will hear. Hear from God. And that changes your life. But you should be your heart should be the issue. It's not that God doesn't speak. Your heart should be always be prepared to receive the counsel. That's the issue. If people are willing to receive counsel, and you know it is based on the word of God, almost everything can be retrieved. 
you have to come with that kind of heart if you don't come with that heart it is not possible so he calls abhyata but god still speaks but if you don't have anybody to call get back to this and say don't do lottery but go back to the word and say lord you speak to me speak to me we know psalm 138 verse 2 look at verse 3 2 and 3 together i will worship towards your holy temple praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word above all your name in the day when i cried out you answered me so what is he talking about how did he answer me he answered me through your word you answered me through your word you answered me through for you have magnified your word above all your name and i'm putting my trust in your word simple practical thing we have in our hearts in our mind so the holy spirit will bring into your remembrance when you're going lord what do i do i will tell you he will bring into your remembrance scripture or a song based on scripture and suddenly you're asking why am i singing this song stop look at the lyrics and says god is speaking to me i got my answer i got my answer so he will bring to your remembrance he'll bring it to your remembrance I'll bring it to your remembrance. You know? We have a personal guide. A person with us. He still speaks. You see, when they were all crying, including David, when they were crying, they could not hear. When they were bitter, they could not hear. But when he stopped crying, and started encouraging himself in the Lord, he suddenly realized hey the priest is here the effort is here let me inquire of the lord the question is would we inquire of the lord if our previous record like let us say today is december 6th and you are in a crisis and you are let us say you are not even here you are in a crisis and all you can look back is from january 1 to december 5th you haven't gone to church you haven't prayed you haven't read your bible and on december 6 crisis hits you will you open your bible you will if you realize god will still speak to you if you turn back to him 16 months he hasn't done anything with god 16 months one year and four months he's done nothing with god but in the moment of crisis he goes back and encourages himself and calls for the word of god and the word of god comes now god will speak to him please understand the way back out of despair is always the same way what is the same way you have to go back to god you have to go back to the ways of god you have to go back to where god began with you remember the most desperate man called elijah and when god meets him up on the mount mount horeb in first kings chapter 19 and verse 13 now what god says the first thing god asks him is what are you doing here elijah what are you doing here what are you doing here the first question he asks elijah he must have asked told david also what are you doing here why are you in philistine territory you shouldn't have been here this was not your place you are my anointed king what are you doing living in gentile territory what are you doing here he's not scolding you he's not mad with you 
He's just telling you a fact. You know why you are here? Because you are at the wrong place. You left the protected place and you came to the wrong place and that's why you lost. Do you know what he tells him? In verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go back. Go back. Go back. That's what we need to do in our mind. Go back. That's how we encourage ourselves. Go back. Go back. Go back. Do you know, it all begins in our mind. Everything begins in our mind. The battle is in our mind. We win or lose here. It's, it's, if you lose, we lost it here first. That's why they say in English, the first thing to go is the mind. I keep telling my wife, am I going crazy or what? I said, no, you are not. Because you'll forget something. Am I going crazy? I just left it here. I said, you are not going crazy. You just forgot. No, we are not going crazy. The first thing to go is see. Mind. Between 1 Samuel 27, 1 and 1 Samuel 33, there is 16 months. See how it began. And David said in his heart, I shall perish. That's where it started. It all starts. Okay. I'm not going to do well in my job. I'm not going to. I am not going to do well in studies. You joined for music class. One week. This is not for me. Finished. Give him. Everybody is, everybody is waiting for the gift of playing piano. There's nothing like that. It's hard work. It is hard work. It is hard work. Give up so fast. It all begins in the mind. Do you know? People give up here first before they give up outside. They give up here. That's what he said. I'll perish in the hand of Saul. Result of that one idea that got into your mind, end of it, for Samuel 30, David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. This is the end of one thought. When you start following your thoughts, which are not from God. So go back. Go back. Don't limit God in your imagination. Imagination is very powerful. Very powerful. It can be positive or it can be negative. That's why God gives man the capacity to imagine. The problem is the devil also takes it and uses it to destroy us. Numbers 13 and verse 33. And we saw the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. Who told you? Who told you? Did God say you are a grasshopper? In our sight and their sight. Did you hear one Canaanite say that you are a grasshopper? On the other hand, we have the testimony 40 years later from the mouth of Rahab. Everybody's heart has gone down in fear. That is the truth. But what do you think? In their sight, we are grasshoppers. Think about teams. 
Think about teams. Before you play your rival, oh, yare, bapre, who can fight them? They are. You know how their forwards are? Their attacks, they bowler up. You already lost the battle in your mind. Before I ever wrote a math exam, I lost it in my mind. (laughs) Still, I used to get up to 89 to 90%. Though I lost it in my mind. I got 89 because I had the ethics of hard work. Though I hated math, I used to give it up in my mind. This is not a subject. There is a mathematician over there. You always lose it first in your mind. Please remember that. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. So go back the way you came. Go back. You go have to go back in your mind. First Samuel 16, 13. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Go back where you met God first. Go back where you encountered him first. There he began a good work in you. You remember that day? That's what David has to do. That's how he's encouraging. I am here. But let me ask you, why am I here? I made my mistakes. Yes, but why am I here? Because something happened to me a few years back in my house. Something. That is where my life, which was going like this, suddenly took a turn. Go back there. That's where you met God. You met God. And I I still think about that day. It would have been a very strange day. Because Jesse's whole house is ready, prepared. The prophet is in town. The whole town is shaking. He's there. He has come. All the sons are there. Feast is all ready. First one, second one, third one, fourth one, fifth one, sixth one. Seventh one. Is there nobody else? No. Yeah, the youngest one. Where is he? Out in the wilderness. Call him. He's far away in the wilderness. The whole place is standstill. The prophet is sitting. We don't know how many hours it took for David to come. Nothing is happening here. God is not moving. All angelic host is waiting. Prophet is waiting. And when he comes, a fellow is running from the field, a shepherd boy. And as soon as he enters, the voice of the Lord tells Samuel, arise. Anoint him. And he's telling David, do you remember? Do you remember that? You forgot? Go back the day you met the Lord. The day something happened inside you. He was anointed with the oil and the spirit of the lady, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. But for us, the spirit of the Lord came into us. Do you remember that day? Can you go back? Do you remember that day when the lion came? Do you remember that day the bear came? Do you remember that day the soldiers came from the king's palace and told your father, we want that young boy of yours who plays the guitar, the harp, the king has summoned. And do you remember your mouth was open, you were going into a palace and then you were taken to the king. And do you remember when you played the harp, how the face of the king changed? He was sitting there, angry, possessed, and then suddenly things came. Have you forgotten all these things? And then Goliath, 
Have you forgotten? Your victories? Have you forgotten the king's son, Jonathan, who made a covenant with you? Have you forgotten Michal, the king's daughter who loved you, who the king gave it to you? Have you forgotten all this? And every time you were chased, you were always one step ahead. Have you forgot? Go back the way you came. Everybody sitting here who's been in the Lord has a record of what God has done in your life in the past. Has. When you look at that, you strengthen and immediately you say, no, you know what? God hasn't changed. I'm going back to him. Tell me, Lord, what to do. Tell me, Lord. Abhyadar. Bring the effort. Bring the effort. And when you ask, ask clearly and listen carefully. Let's go back. Ask very clearly. What job you want? Anything? What kind of answer is that? David said to Abhyadar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the effort here. David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue the troop? Shall I overtake them? Very clear. Not run behind them, overtake them. Many are pursuing jobs, they are not overtaking, but they never ask the Lord, should I overtake? Did you apply? Yes, have you got it? No. Did you ask God? What did you ask God? Pursuing a job or overtaking it? He's just repeating God's words. God's, I remember what you said through Moses. If you listen to my voice and obey my commands, all these blessings shall follow you and overtake you. What's the point of blessings following me? I want you to overtake me. If it's following me, somebody behind me will enjoy it. That's what it says. Ask clearly, very, very clearly. When you are with with God, be clear. You know? I'm telling you, you have to be in ministry. Any nation you go, any meeting you go, there will be at least five or six among the hundreds who come for prayer. You ask them, what do you want to pray for? Anything. You are kind because you are strangers. Many times I want to say, Lord, pray, I pray something or anything into his life. <laughs> No clarity. No clarity in their prayer life. No clarity in their prayer life. It was very, there's a situation. In that situation, they have taken your family, your property, everything and gone. Very clear to any asking the Lord, should I pursue? If I pursue, shall I overtake? Because if it is impossible, just tell me. I will accept defeat here. It's gone. Let me move on to the other side. Tell me. Okay. If your answer is no, it's no. Is a child dead? Child is dead. Got him. So Keshavar anointed himself and went and worshipped the Lord. Came back and said, bring the food, start eating, because that door is closed. It's over. Let me move to the next level. He's not going to come back to me, but I will go to him. But I've got work to do. I'm not going to let that stop my progress. 
But here, tell me, should I pursue? Shall I pursue? If I pursue, shall I overtake? It's a God who answers very, very clearly. If I, don't, if I won't overtake, why waste the time and the energy? You tell me. What is our God? Maybe. No. Pursue for you shall surely overtake. That's my God. Maybe. No. You shall surely overtake. And without fail, recover all. He heard very clearly. Without fail, you will recover all. Question is, do you know you can pursue your enemies? Luke 10, 18 and 19. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Did you? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions and they shall by no means. Do you know you can pursue your enemies? We don't have flesh and blood enemies now. We have spiritual enemies. Do you know you can pursue them? John 1, 5, 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. I can't pursue and overcome this world because he said so. I don't have to be defeated by this world. I don't have to be defeated by this world. I can overcome this world. Why? Because he said so. I don't have to go and ask, Lord, please, the Lord, is it possible for me to overcome this world? You don't have to ask. It's already spoken. You don't have to ask. It's already said. James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist. Lord, if I resist, the devil will leave, move away in Jesus. No, he will flee. Lord, I'm trying to push him for so long, Lord. He's not moving at all. He says, because you are not listening to me. I told you first, submit to me. Listen to me. I will tell you how to get him out of the way. You're not listening to me. You're trying to push him on your strength and he is immovable in your strength. In my strength, he will flee. Submit to God. Listen carefully. David asked carefully, very clearly, and listened carefully. What is that David did not say? Abiyatam. Yes, Lord. Bring the effort. Okay. Enquire of the Lord. Lord, why me? Did he ask that? That's what most people, Lord, why me? Why did that happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? And the effort is front of you, these are the cries of the people. Instead of asking, Lord, how do I recover? You have to listen to what he said and listen to what he did not say. Did not say. The unsaid part. He did not say that at all. Why me? Why did my life? Why did my family? <coughs> he didn't say any of those things. He said, the question is this, Lord. Fact, I've lost all. Now tell me, will I recover all? Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? God says, I'm with you. Philippians 4, 6. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing. He's come to that point. James 5.13, you will say, if anybody, anybody is in trouble, let him. That's what he did. He prayed. Psalm 50, verse 15, will say, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. The question is, do we call upon him on the day of trouble? Because of our problem. We don't call because, you know, as soon as you are getting ready to pray, the devil brings up the list. He opens a scroll. Do you know what you did in 16 months? You think you can pray? And he is going to answer. He just threw the scroll aside and said, you shut up and go. Let me talk to him. Because he has said, on the day of trouble, you call. I will deliver you. I will deliver you. You know how many people miss their blessings, their breakthroughs, simply because they don't ask. That's why Jesus says, you do not have, because you do not ask. God's purpose for his children never change. You can name your calamity, and the word of God still says, in all these things, you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. It never changes. You can take your calamity. Stick it over there and over that write the words. In all these things. Not in some of these things. The third part is that after he heard, he obeyed fully. He asked clearly, listened carefully. God gave an answer and he obeyed fully. He did not let the weariness of physical exhaustion stop him. Stop him. Stop him. Not stop you. You know, yesterday, I mean, the days are tiring, getting longer and tiring for us because we have meetings every day, twice, thrice, just goes on. Tomorrow, another pastor's conference. So it keeps on going. So I thought I had it all wrapped up for this morning. That's why There are two books. One is the message for today, I thought I got. And the message for today, I got this morning at 3.25. Was I weary? I was weary. But I heard very clearly, restless in my spirit, that is not the word for today. So are you going to get your weariness stop you? Your tiredness stop you. They are weary. They have marched for th- three days. They haven't eaten. They have come here. The whole thing is a mess, burned up, gone. They have cried their guts out. And then they hear the word of the Lord. Oh Lord, let me sleep for two hours and then I will get up. No. He took off. That's what you need to realize. When God gives you a promise, he also gives you the power. He does not give you a promise and say, do it in your power. No, he doesn't. Then the glory will belong to you. The glory will belong to him. He obeyed fully. On the way, you will have issues. Let me tell you, you will have issues. That is verse 10. David pursued he and 400 men for 200 men stayed behind who were so weary. Among them were 200. They were very tired. They said, no, we can't. Our legs are not moving anymore. Legs are not moving anymore. We are too tired. 
we don't know who these 200 are. So in this journey, suddenly you are running with 600, 200 fall back. Will you stop? He was smart. He looked. You you have to look and everything that looks as a disadvantage, if you have the word of God with you and the wind behind you, that is the spirit of God behind you, you will learn how to turn your disadvantages to your advantage. The question is, do you want to slow down because of this 200 when something is at stake over there? No, what you do is that, okay, you guys stay here, 200, and tell the 400, take the load off. Lighten the Lord. All the supplies, everything that we have, take it. All you need to carry is your sword and your shield. Let's go. Suddenly you can move faster. That's what exactly he did. You stay here, take care of the supplies. Because I'm on a race. God is on my side. The Spirit is on my side. Now you know what? Time also will be on my side. I'm going to turn my disadvantage into my advantage. How do you put it spiritually? Into the new covenant, Hebrews 12.1. See, people already know the message before you say, because we are, we are like immersed in the word. So we know where the next words will be 12.1. Therefore, also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us say aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So you have to ask yourself, Lord, Sin, everybody knows. You don't have to give a lecture on sin. The problem is with weights. Weights. Problem is with weights. And all the good believers sitting here struggle with weights. What to wear? On a Sunday morning, what to wear? Already 45 minutes has gone before the cupboard. We should have been spent before the word. This doesn't match. This is not ironed. <laughs> that one where I wore last time, somebody made a comment. This one was tight. You are taking an inventory instead of picking a dress. This is our problem. These are weights. Matching. Eye-catching. <laughs> Daughters. This is a joke I always tell. This is truth. Long, long, long ago, you know, I bought, I had to buy saris for my sisters and my aunts. Okay. I walked into a store. Ten minutes my shopping was over. So somebody asked me, how can you buy like that? I said, listen. This is the way it is. When a woman goes to a shop, she sees all this and she's satisfied with nothing. When I go with her, I'm giving them each one. I will tell you what each one will say. Where did you get this? What great taste. Everyone said the same thing. Don't waste your time over irrelevant things. That is what happened. These are the weights of our life. I'm just giving you one weight. Many weights are there. It's like a gym. All kinds of weights are there. (laughs) 
start spiritual dieting, lose some weight. That's what David did. You know what? You will be able to run this spiritual race better because you are light. What to wear, what to eat, what to drink. No? Jesus, I didn't put it. Jesus put these three into that category and everything is added to this. Weights. Verse 11. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. You know what happens? There's a wounded Egyptian lying on the field and they are rushing to rescue their families on the way they see. And our problem is we always, often, not always, often miss, even we have heard we are on the road to pursuing and overtaking, we miss our target because we despise those little things that God left on the way which would have helped us in our progress. We despise small things. If David hadn't stopped for this man, he would have probably been late. A wounded man lying over there on the road does not look as somebody who will aid you in your success. We always look for big signs. We miss the small signs. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. A small sign. Would you listen to that small sign? Would you listen to a small voice? Small voice. And Naman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. But a And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought out back a captive, a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naman's wife. Young girl, a small servant girl. Servant girl. What did she say? Madam, this is a prophet in Samaria. Why don't sir go there? Do you know how many people in this city, in this city, or big families, non-Christian families, have got their deliverance because they listened to their Christian maid? Can I pray? They've come to their dead end. Can I pray? Finally, okay, pray. And they kneel down. And they begin, yes, I God works. Because you did not despise that little thing. You have to hear them pray. Oh, they will pray with passion, with tears. They will pray. A little thing. The problem is we always look at big things. And we despise little things. John 6, 9. There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. What are they among so many? He said, give it to me. Give it to me. Don't despise that little things on the way. God has put them there strategically for you. That will help you. Don't look for. Just through it all, even before David had spoken, even before Ziglag had burned, even before all this, God is already working. That's what you need to know. God is already working in your life. 
If only our eyes were to be opened. Like Elisha said, Lord, just open this guy's eyes for a second. Let him see. You're always with us. You're always for us. You're always working for us. You want to see how God was working? First Chronicles chapter 12, 19 and 20. From Manasseh, some from Manasseh defected to David when he was going with the Philistines to battle against Saul. That was three days earlier. But they did not help them. For the lords of the Philistines sent him away by agreement saying, he may defect to his master Saul and endanger our heads. And when he went to Ziglag, those of Manasseh who defected to him were Atna, Josabad, Jediel, Mikhail, Josabad, Elihu, Ziltai, captains of the thousands who were from Manasseh. And they helped David against the bands of raiders, for they were all mighty men of valor, and they were captains in the army. Do you know God said? 200 attire. Watch this. Don't worry. I've sent mighty men into your army to fight this battle. You know, they came just on time. You know why? Because God was already planning your victory. He had already made provision for your success. Question is, will you ask? Will you hear? Will you obey? Will you obey? This Egyptian would be David's GPS. Takes him straight to the target. That's why Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise the day of small beginnings. We despise. We despise people who are below us. Maidservants, prostitutes, pimps. All these kind of people. We wouldn't listen to them. Naman hadn't heard, listened to that little servant girl. He would have to stay away from his duties lived in a house alone and died as a leper. That's why don't despise. Don't despise. Because God, never despise anybody. Because you never look at Ajay sitting over there. You never know. Oh, he's so small. He's the smallest. That's how Gideon looked at himself. But God looked at him differently. Imagine 4,000, 5,000 years ago, you were one wayfarer passing by Haran to Canaan. And you saw one man. He has got nothing with him. One jola. Putting, he doesn't even have a pillow. Sleeping with his head on a stone. He will look at him and says, Bichare. Without realizing he would become a nation which would be there forever. If you were to see Jacob that day sleeping, nobody would ever give him a second look. But nobody knew this guy would become Israel. So be very careful. Be attentive. Attentive. Because God has put your steps to success on the way. That's why we have to hear. We look at Jacob and say, Pichare. God will say, Jacob, I have loved. When Lord, from his mother's womb. You mean before he did anything? Yes, Lord. Success guaranteed? Yes. Blessed? Yes. To be a nation? Yes. When Lord, when he was in his mother's womb. Verse 17. David attacked them from twilight till the evening of the next day. You think the battle is easy? 
I have a promise. Now I'll just sit in my easy chair. It will come to me. No, you fight it for it. These are people who are tired. How did they? How many hours did they fight? Twenty hours. They fought twenty hours. This is why I said. This is what God told in Corinthians to Paul. Let's have our word. Second Corinthians twelve nine and ten. He said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." He became weak before God and said, "Lord, what shall I do?" Only the weak kneel before God. What shall I do? Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? And God said, "Go." Man is actually weak. He's very tired, very weary, but the grace of God is sufficient. It's more than sufficient. This is a battle. Be ready for this battle. Spiritual battles are not won easily. That's why God tells through Apostle Paul to Timothy and to all young men, endure hardship as discipline. Last evening I was telling them about prayer. Do have you endured the hardship of relentless perceiving prayer? Can you? The most difficult spiritual hardship is the hardship of prayer. To endure it, even though you see no answer. His elect who cried to him day and night and gave him no rest. They cry. One week, one month, one year, two years, three years, ten years, eleven years, twelve years. The endurance of hard prayer. Then everything changes. Verses 18 to 20. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And he rescued his two wives. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. I'm telling you, heaven is going to be a surprise for people who have fought this battle. People will say, Lord, in this battle for you, I lost. God says, no, you didn't. You gained. But where, Lord, I see nothing. He says, you will see. You will see. Eyes haven't seen. No ears heard. But God is preparing for those who love him. That's a physical battle. We are fighting a spiritual battle. In this battle, we lose. We lose. The enemy steals so many things from us. Takes away. So many things we voluntarily give away. But God is no man's debtor. God is no man's debtor. But that's what Peter said. Lord, we left everything to follow you. He said, no. We'll get a hundred times over. Do you believe? He's the same God. They're on the way back. Actually, he got more than all he lost. He got all the other things the Amalekites had looted too. Everything. Theirs also he took. Verses 21 to 25. Then David came to the 200 men who had been so weary they could not. Did I give you the other verses? Yeah. Yeah. David came to the 200 men who had been so weary they could not follow David, whom they also made to stay at Brook Besor. 
So he went out to meet David to meet the people who are with them. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, You know, in that group of 400, there's still a few worthless and wicked men. Even the best of best churches also, there are a few crooks. As long as they stay, take them in the battle. It is okay. You would think all this hardship has refined these people. There are a few crooks there also. Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. What did David say? Now when, oh, depart. Oh, we, we, we're still verse 25? But David said, my brother, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. Shall not do so. Shall not do so. You know what he's saying? The real principle of a king. He's a king before he's crowned. He says, wait. You and I received grace when we did not merit it. Now it is our turn to pass on grace to those who don't merit it. Be careful, he said. We didn't merit this victory. He gave it to us. Now we give it to them. Be careful of this. Be careful of this. Will you be gracious in your victory? Will you be gracious in your victory? That's what James 4, 6 says. God gives more grace, resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. These are fundamental lessons in the Bible. He recovered all. Can I have from verses 26 to 31? He goes beyond that. Now when David came to Ziglag, he sent up some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends saying, here's a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To those who were in Bethel, those who were in Ramoth, the south, those who were in Jatir, those who were in Aror, those who were in Sifmo, those who were in Eschimo, those who were in Rakhal, those who were in the cities of the Jermalites, those who were in the cities of the Canaanites. You know what? And those who were in Horma, those who were in Korshan, those, those who were in Hebron, all the places where David and himself and his men were accustomed to do. He looked back and he said, before I came to the Philistine territory, let me look back. Everybody who was a blessing to me, he sent them a gift. I want to be a blessing. I want a blessing to everybody. Everybody. The best part is that he has no clue about Saul. But God is moving his heart. The question is, can God move your heart to be liberal? To be generous? You know what this will do? This will, in a few days time, he will get the news, Saul is dead. And all these people will gather to him and say, you will be king. He's already won their hearts with his graciousness without even knowing the other king is going to die. You have to see how God moves. Keep listening to the Spirit of God. Keep being led by Him. Keep listening to His prodding. Be gracious in victory. 
Don't forget the people who have had a blessing to your life. In your prayer list, all those names should be there. Pray for them. They may not be in your life now. I keep telling. 1984. How many years back? 36. Vergis Nainan. The month of October. Last month. 11 p.m. Came to my room. Brought me to the Lord. Can I forget him? Every year I encourage him. He tells me, PJ, he doesn't call me PJ, he says, James, I'm just a regular CSI church member. I say, it's okay, you brought me to the Lord. I don't do anything now. He said, I do. You are a blessing. You are a blessing. Don't forget those people. If you look back, none of us reached where we are if there were people to bless us spiritually on the way. Put them. That's what David is doing. This is the hallmark of a spiritual king. He's gracious in victory. On the other side, there was another king. Who too was anointed by the same prophet. Who refused to humble himself before God. And ended a rebel. Chapter 31, verses 4 to 6. And Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword, thrust it through with me. Lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul, his sons, his armor bearer and all his men died together that same day. Two things are happening parallelly. One man who never sought the Lord, never humbled, he lost all. Including he fell on his sword. His armor bearer fell on his son. It's a group suicide taking place. On this side, the other man who humbled before God recovered all. So God says, both were anointed by the same prophet. Which route do you want to go? Should it be written about you? He lost all or he recovered all. What's your destiny? You can choose your destiny. You can choose your destiny. You can choose your testimony. So the question as we come to communion is, what has the devil stolen from you? For he comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But Jesus came to give life. That's why we need to know God, that he came to give life. Even some of the most most, I want to read to you something which I saw this morning on the way in the car. This is from Spurgeon. And Ziglag was burned out. The Lord seems to say to David, all that you have ever got of Akish is this village of Ziglag. I have caused it to be burned so that you have nothing left to be a tie between you and Philistia. The princess said, send this fellow away. And they have sent you away. Now the town that Akish gave you is utterly destroyed. There is no link left between you and the Philistines. And you have come back to your natural position. The hardest blow our God ever strikes. It puts us right and separates us from self and sin. And the carnal policy is a blow of love. If it ends our life of selfishness and brings us back into the life of trust, it is a blessed blow. 
when god blesses his people blesses his people most it is by terrible things in righteousness he smote david to heal him he fetched him out of the snare of the philistine fowler and delivered him from the noisome noisome pestilence of heathen association by a way that brought tears into his eyes till he had no more power to weep now the servant of the lord begins to see the wonderful hand of the lord and he shall yet say before i was afflicted i went astray but now i have kept thine word some of the most painful brutal blows in our life was afflicted by god in love to cut our ties away from flesh and the world so that we could come back to god and become everything god wanted us to be that's how you look at life that is why god is always love even in your darkest hour he is always love he never changes never changes shall we the uh, the worship team come the offertory team come and we shall go to the table today our final communion of 2020 as you come to the table see it with different eyes it's a table of love behold what manner of love the bible says someone may even dare to die for a righteous man but who will die for a wicked man when we were yet sinners Christ Jesus died for us what looked like the most foolish act and symbol on earth the cross and the crucifixion was God's greatest display of power and victory in the heavenly realm through the cross Jesus destroyed spoiled the powers and the principalities that's why he said do this in remembrance of me till i come so we go to this table it's an awesome table father this morning we come to you this first sunday of the final month we just want to look back and we just want to say once again thank you lord thank you yes there were storms there were trials there were dark dark days all kinds of things but you brought us through nobody can deny that you brought us through through the pandemic through the lack through the joblessness through it all you brought us through every one of us can testify yes i've got clothes on my back and food on my table the lord was good to me we just want to thank you lord thank you to david heart full of thanksgiving we want to come to your table because the greatest thing you ever did for us is represented here you allowed your son to die on our behalf that we could love you immortal god everlasting father became man so that we could become your children we just want to thank you lord thank you thank you lord thank you lord i pray as we partake of this emblems we will believe it will bring healing it will bring strength and it will bring an awakening in our inner man lord that we continue to pursue and overtake 
and defeat the enemy and recover all that he has stolen from us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.
the same God who is with us here now, the way maker. I pray for everyone, Lord, who is struggling, who thinks every doorway is shut. Oh, Father, you are the way maker. You are the way maker. The door that you open, no man can shut. The door that you shut, no man can open. Let every zigzag that is built in our lives in opposition to God's will be burned down in Jesus' name. It has no place in our life. Let it burn to the ground. Let it burn to the ground. Everyone who has camped in the Philistine territory, let them be drawn out by the hand of God in Jesus' name. Let every pursuer of my destiny that has pursued me all these years, let him fall on his sword and die in Jesus' name. For what God has blessed, no man can curse. No man can curse. All my enemies, all our enemies, out in the spiritual realm, their own swords shall consume them. Goliath came after David. Goliath's sword took Goliath's head. Saul came after David. Saul's sword devoured Saul. That's the destiny of God's children. Those who pursue you, they will be destroyed by their own sword. You will pursue. You will overtake. You will recover all. For the Lord has said, surely, he said, surely, take it as his word from today, surely, surely, you will overtake and recover all. Thank you, Father. Thank you. You're the God of restoration. Even your hardest blow is in love and not in wrath or anger for your children. You burned Ziglag down. It was your hand. The Amalekites, the Midianites were just instruments. You burned it down so that he could be enthroned in Hebron and help your children to see it. The things God burns down in our life is so that we could be enthroned in another place. Because Ziglag is not our destiny. Hebron and Jerusalem is our destiny. Let no one miss God's purpose in their lives. Thank you, Father. This 12th month, 25 days to go, everybody who did not have a good start or a good middle, I pray, will run well and finish well. What you couldn't do in 11 months, God can cause you to do in 25 days. And you can look back on 31st night and say, I recovered all. I recovered all. For God was with me and God was for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the power. It's all yours, O Lord. And by faith in your house, in your presence, we lift up hands and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Be blessed, O God of Israel. My God, our God, be blessed. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. 
Amen and amen. 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 That is so.